Blog Talk Radio. Miss Marvel is a new kind of superhero. At the core of all of it, her story is so universal. Miss Marvel is one of the newer characters in the Marvel comics. And when one comes in, it grabs the world's imagination like this. And the questions are, when are we going to bring Miss Marvel to the screen? When Miss Marvel first came out, we had such an incredible reaction. It was so incredibly popular because everybody could see themselves in her. I never saw a young teenager of color, specifically a Pakistani, in the comic book. Are you kidding? I promised you'd be cool. I am cool. The casting process was vast. When we discovered Iman, we knew that she was Kamala Khan. It was unanimous decision. Yeah, you can't this right now. And then, of course, we've got a really incredible team of directors. Bilal Salah, Adel Al-Arabi, Mira Menon, and Sharmino Bajnoy. And all of them are taking the material and elevating it. It's so human. It's about a teenager figuring out who she is and about relationships. Family and friendship is at the heart of the MCU canon. That's what's so exciting about the story that we're bringing is that we're going to introduce you to a new family that's also going to be part of the wider MCU. What's going on, people of the world? Chota here in the mix. Hope everything is flowing as KD. This is actually a re-recording of an earlier show I did two days ago in reference to, and I apologize for that tuned in because there was an audio problem where my files was playing, but my voice wasn't recording, so there was moments of, like, essentially silence. I said, you know, I can't do that for my listeners, especially since 200 of you tuned in right after I had went off air, what have you, so my apologies. So, you know, I said, I'm just going to do another show for you all. And in fact, I'm glad to because there's really a lot of information I want to kick into uh, this particular episode in reference to the Wokarati and the identity politics of these comic books, what have you. Now, I know some of, respectfully, I know some of my listeners out there, you know, well, look, we don't have to agree on everything. I'm not really, if you agree, you agree. You don't agree, you don't agree. That's your right. You can do whatever you want to do. At the same time, I just ask you to be open-minded to as to why you believe what you believe or why do you think what I say is wrong when I talk about hobbies, books, and movies being promoted. So let's get into this. And I'm going to start with a popular character. If you allow me to read this to you, it's a, an article. I'm actually editing at the same time while I'm talking to you, so please bear with me. It's an actual character named Static Shock, which when they had a TV show years ago, was immensely popular. I mean, it was massively popular. It was so popular, it never got a movie. Uh, you got a, got a limited series, but beyond that, it just never really got like the push it should have gotten, which is very odd, because I believe this book was outselling everything. It came from Milestone Comics. For those that know back in the day of the 1990s. So I want to read this article to you, which is kind of like the gist of what the show is about. And it has to do with something regarding shock, uh, shock, Static Shock's origin. So there's an article, I'm going to put the, I already put the link in the description box, whatever. And it says, Milestone just made Static Shock's origin more relevant than ever. Right there and then you know it's whack. Right there and then you already know it's going. So Static Shock is the most popular Milestone com- comics character. The electrifying hero just received a new origin in Milestone's exciting new reboot. Uh, this is uh, Charles Singe, March 6th. 2021. And right there and then, most people just turned off. They're like, okay, we have no interest that we know where this is going. So let me read this article to you. It goes, Static Shock just received a timely new origin story in, in the relaunch of the Milestone Comics line. Virgil Hawkins is Milestone's flagship hero because of his popularity. First appearing in the early 90s, Virgil quickly captured the hearts of readers, both young and old. He was a fresh new type of superhero. Right up to there is, is how it should be. Here's the next line. He's a fresh new type of superhero, a young hero of color. Right there and then you're done. Again, people are going to say, what's wrong with representation? What's wrong with representation? No. You know what? Your representation is whack and it sucks. Representation means you look at a screen, you just see skin color, right? What does that mean? 
right? Is that supposed to represent everybody with the same skin color? No, it's not. So when you say young people of color, like, where have these folks been? In fact, most folk, people that was digging Milestone, it wasn't just young people of color. It was a lot kind of people because the stories were real cool. So it continues. Virgil was like any nerdy inner city kid. He had a small circle of friends. He had a crush. Virgil also has something many kids around the world cannot avoid. He had the attention of a bully. Mm-hmm. Now, if you took out the young hero of color part, right there and then you have a great story about the, about the kid. Any nerdy inner city kid, it could be anybody, black, Asian, Latino, whatever. Let's continue. In the original, now listen carefully, here's the flow. In the original Milestone series, Virgil was embarrassed by the bully when defending his love interest, Frida. The bully was a gang member and taunted Virgil with racial insults. Of course, that's always the go-to when it comes to quote-unquote black characters or melanin characters and stuff like that, whatever. It's always you taunt them with racial insult because they're so sensitive they're just going to react to anything you say to them that's racist, right? Okay, anyways. After Virgil took a beating, he was saved by one of the bullies, rival gang members. He told Virgil that, ironically, the name is Virgil. He told Virgil that the only way to stop being a victim was to shoot his tormentor and gifted him with a gun. Virgil appeared as instructed and ended up in the middle of a gang war. Though he decided he would not use the gun, he was still caught between the gang war and the authorities that arrived. The authorities deployed a gas that turned everyone in the vicinity into metahumans. This event would later come, come to be known as the Big Bang. Right there and then, there's its origin, boom, done, lockdown, period. That's it. A, a, a gas turned a lot of these people into, you know, the, like, Bud Syndicate, Guru Kroom, the Kroom, what have you. It turned everybody's people, people into metahumans, another name for superheroes. There you go, done. That was the story, boom, everything's wrapped up. Beautiful, like it, all right, defend as woman, racial times, I think it's kind of lazy, but whatever. Well, check this out. In the Milestone Returns, in the Milestone Returns Zero collection, now here's by original Hudlin. I already know where this is going. Uh, Roy Pham, I'm probably killing his last name. I apologize. Uh, uh, Koi Pham, Scott Hanna, and many other talented artists. Static Shock has an entirely different origin story. Virgil is still a nerdy teen who gets bullied. Strange Gas is also the source of his powers in the new series. Here we go, people. Check this out. But the setting of the updated origin represents a major difference between the original and relaunch. In the relaunch, Virgil attends a Black Lives Matter rally for two reasons. His love interest is there. The second reason is that he genuinely believes in the cause. Every Static Shock title has tackled social issues. This iteration of Static is no different. He is a socially, uh, he's as socially conscious as ever. I'm done. Y- y'all can tune out now if you want because it's, it's going to get worse with some of the stuff I want to share with you all. Right there and there. Check it out. Virgil's new origin accomplishes several tasks at once. It establishes false static shock as a socially conscious hero. You know what that means? That means they never attack the villains and try to end crime in the neighborhood. They just fight against white people. That's what it means. All right. I'm sorry. White people, white supremacist, white racism, white oppression, white savior, and I'm missing something. It'll come to me later on. This is what they're talking about. All right. So it established Static as a socially conscious hero while also setting the tone for the title character and even the new Dakotaverse. Milestone's writers are not shying away from social justice. You see what I mean? There's only one justice. Now, when I want to say social justice is something worth a revenge. But again, Milestone writers are not shying away from social justice. Now, of course, some of my listeners are saying, yes, that's right, that's right, that's right. Oh, okay. So explain to me what social justice looks like. Does it mean just going against Anglos or quote-unquote white people? Or is there the justice of dealing with the criminals in the neighborhood that you may be living in that's terrorizing people in the neighborhood you may be living in. And if you don't live in those neighborhoods, you know neighborhoods or know of neighborhoods or you maybe see on the news of neighborhoods that's experiencing outright, outright violence. Anyways, they are diving headfirst into the social issues that are currently plaguing our country as they always have. 
again, this is the, this is the writer. Uh, what's the name again? Hold on for a second. Charles Singe. Of course, you see, look at look what he's talking about, right? So, um, again, it says they are diving headfirst into the social issues that are currently plaguing our country, as they always have. Right. This country is so racist that a black character from Milestone Comics became so popular that he got his own TV. I believe he got his own animated series on, on Saturday morning. That's how racist this country is. Static Shock has always been a unique hero. He not only fights crime, but he also fights bigotry by representing his culture and race as an amazing black superhero. What exactly does that mean? Per- representing his culture. Like, what culture is this? And race. What exactly do you mean by race as an amazing black superhero? Now, you see how this particular article is flowing into the look of Static, not the relevance of Static's powers and how they can really go off the chain. Anyways, Milestone Comics characters like Icon may be more powerful than Static, but the teen crime fighter is much more relatable. Virgil is a character with extreme depth and an electrifying personality. He represents a generation of people of color who are enlightened and unafraid to be activists for the cause they support. Static Shock has once again shocked the world with his timely new origin. Seriously, this is, this is you see, this was going? Now, you mean a lot of people like Superman because they can relate to him because these people can fly as well. They're impervious to bullets. They can fly faster than the speed of sound, leap teeth, um, tall buildings in a single bound. Are you, are you saying that's why people like Wolverine? Because they like to go around killing people. They like to like, you know, put little nails in the back of their hand and go slice people up because, you know, they can relate to Wolverine. Is that why they like Storm? Because, you know, she's like, what, 6'1", 5'11", something like that, or maybe she can control the weather. She has white hair, blue eyes. Is that why some people like Spider man they can relate to him because you know these people his fans they can swing through the the, the cities on on webbing and climb up walls and hang upside down whatever no again he says he represents a generation of people of color what generation is that you know what generation these lost people who wrote this article that generation because they're going to find a cause for example i think the latest cause right now is that they can't vote so they're fighting to save voting rights even though they can vote and no one took their vote but whatever works right so again that's just a situation of where this art this particular episode is coming from you know it's just pathetic to me because now everything's becoming identity politics, right? You heard the beginning was the promotion for Ms. Marvel, you know, Kamala Khan from the comic book, what have you. Now, you can see the confusion in the, 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 the promo itself because the writer says, you know what, a brown person of, of, Pac, of, of Pakistani character, are you serious? Who cares about, okay, somebody's going to say, well, some people from Pakistan may care. Okay, that's nice. I don't think they outnumber the people of, of comic book fans in the industry in the, in the United States. Right. Okay. So they're talking about that. And then you want to say on one hand, oh, yeah, people can relate to her. On the other hand, she's a, she's a brown Pakistani. On the other hand, her stories are, are, are relevant today. On the other hand, they're saying that so it's universal. And on the other hand, it, you, 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 here's Spider-Man, Spider-Man 4. Spider-Man returns to avenge the death of Gwen Stacy by murdering Green Goblin. There you go. Or Dr. Octopus. There you go. Whatever. Do you see what I'm saying? So a lot of these things, these movies, they're not promoting these movies in reference to the storyline, like back in the day. They're promoting these stories based on, hey, there's a black person that looks like you, quote-unquote black skin, what they mean. There's a Latino, Latin, Latinx that you want to use now that's, that's representing you. There's another person who's, a, who's a, you know, gay. There's another person who's trans. They're using that to get people in. And I, the sad thing is that it offends so many of my listeners and so many of my friends because they're saying, look, I don't want to, you know, like one of my gay friends said, you know, Sai, you know, I, I may be gay, but I have no interest in seeing, going to a movie just because of the gay character. I want to see a story. Women. I want to go see a story because the, 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 the writing is awesome. If it's a woman, cool, whatever. But I want to see an awesome story. I'm a woman. I don't want to go see a movie just because a woman's in it. In fact, l- l- let me give you something when it comes to women. I want you to listen to this awesome interview with, uh, you know, Bray Larson. 
which, you know, I think a lot of people got caught off guard. Let me see if I can bring this up. Bray Larson was at a screening for what was it? What was it? I think it was uh, Captain Marvel. And someone approached her on the on the. Okay. Anyways, I'll let you hear it for yourself. Let me be quiet. Here we go. And one more question. Um, what does it mean to be a woman in film? It means it's really hard. Uh, and if you're a woman of color, then it's really, really hard. Earlier this week, USC Annenberg's Inclusive Initiative released findings that 67% of the top critics reviewing the 100 highest grossing movies in 2017 were white males. Less than a quarter were white women and less than 10% were unrepresented men. Only 2.5% of those top critics were women of color. Probably thinking right now, like, wow, that super doesn't represent the country that I live in, and that's because that's true. This is a huge disconnect from the U.S. population breakdown of 30% white men, 30% white women, 20% men of color, and 20% women of color. On top of all of this, am I saying that I hate white dudes? No, I'm not. But what I am saying is, is that you make a movie that is a love letter to women of color. There is an insanely low chance a woman of color will have the chance to see your movie and review your movie. Other people, besides white dudes, like Star Wars and would love the opportunity to do a set visit. And I'm also saying I don't hate white dudes. I'm just saying we need to be conscious of our bias and do our part to make sure that everyone is in the room. Good reviews out of festivals give small independent films a fighting chance to be bought and seen. Good reviews help films grow money. Good reviews slingshot films into awards contenders. A good review can change your life. It changed mine. We are expanding to make films that better reflect the people that buy movie tickets. But they are not allowed enough chances to read public oh discourse on these films by the people that these films were made for. I do not need a 40-year-old white dude to tell me what didn't work for him about A Wrinkle in Time. It wasn't made for him. I want to know what that film meant to women of color, to biracial women, to teen women of color, to teens that are biracial. And for the third time, I don't hate white dudes. She's so smug and she's so pathetic. It's not even, it's not even funny how how smug she is because for her to stand up there and talk about, you know, opportunities for quote-unquote people of color, which I never liked that term. I think it's stupid, right? Um, check this out. For those that if you look at the in the, the, the box, um, if you look into the story, into the description of what I talk about and reference, the images I post up there, there's a picture of uh, Captain Marvel played by uh, Brie Larson and a picture of Captain Marvel in the comic book played by uh portrayed by Monica Rambeau in the comic book, not the WandaVision series, in the comic book. Now, in the beginning she talks about she, in the beginning she talks about how, oh, it's so difficult. It's it's um um it's uh it's so it's so hard, especially a woman of color. Well, my, well, first off, the, the question was really awesome. What's it like being a woman in a, in a movie? This is where we're coming from. This is where we are today. What's it like being a woman in a movie? You gotta be kidding. Are you like seriously? Right? Again, but that's the generation we have. Right? So she talked about a wrinkle of time. You know how much money a wrinkle of time costs? Like really? 
millions of dollars. I mean, like millions, 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 I mean millions of dollars. And it only made, it had a budget of 100 to $130 million. It only made $133.4 million worldwide. This came out in 2008, right? So I believe it's grossed like 100, 100 million in the U.S. and Canada, another 32 million in other tori- territories for a total of $132.7 million, right? Now check it out. You're like, oh my God, that's a lot of money. Oh, you know, th- oh Lord. This is a movie that got two stars on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, check this out. A combined $250 million was spent on a production and on production and advertisement, you know, that's, that's, they, you know, considering that she complained about me, you know, about, you know, women and being in movies and stuff like that, it's really hard. They spent $250 million on this movie that was directed by Ava DuVernay, the one who made a comment about white folks, you know, white people back in the day. And I think she was, was it white folks, white people, white men, it was something. Well, right now, white men is, is the enemy for everybody because they have a lot of these white men who are just too cowardly to stand up and say, you know what, if you feel like that about us, we're not going to find your movies. But anyways, so this is what we're talking about. And reference to how things are promoted now do you, anyone remember that awesome movie uh the eternals you can see in my description um that when when tell me something when y'all heard the uh the promo for the eternals what have you did you see anything like that did you see anything that talked about um you know what the story was about you know, what the story was, why we should see the movie. Was there anything that was mentioned reference to, hey, it's about this villain, that villain? Or you just saw a clip that says you can't save them. Is that just, do you, did you see the movie for that? Um, and how did, how did Eternals do when it came out? Does, did they remember that? Did anyone even see that movie? You know, in fact, at some, at some point, I think some people didn't realize the movie came out. It was so bad. So the thing is, that's another example. So let me read something to you. Eternals reported production budget is around $200 million. Oh, by the way, it was, developed, it, was, it was directed by a woman, right? Just some people think that's the reason why it made no money because it was directed by a woman. These folks, these people, these Wokarati and these identity politics and SJWs, where you want to refer to them, if you're getting mad, you can tune out. It's up to you. I'm just speaking what's happening out there on the scene as an OG comic book person who wrote, published, and also does film as well when it comes to comic books. So check it out. Eternals reported budget, production budget on $200 million. That figure makes it one of the pricier non-Avengers movies in MCU recently. Shang-Chi cost $150 million to make, while Spider-Man Far From Home cost $160 million. Captain Marvel's budget was between $150 and $175 million. Why would they spend so much money on, on, on an Anglo woman in the lead? Like, what? Why would anyone want to do that? But they did it anyways, right? So... I believe Eternals premiered in Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles in October. This is uh, from online. It was released in the United States. Uh, the film has grossed over $395 million worldwide, becoming the ninth highest grossing film of 2020. Now, of course, when people start talking about how much it costs to, you know, to, to you know, promote the movie market, now we're in a different ball, in a stratosphere. But the thing that comes down to you see how a lot of these people are just portraying themselves as victims, Right? It's really hard. It's so difficult. You know, you look like me. Now Milestone is, is so relevant. Do you know one thing I never really liked about a lot of comic book characters, especially those like Black Lightning and those, what ha- those kind of characters, that they're usually based in the inner city. And instead of looking inner towards the community, they look at, you know, if you're not, in fact, the first time I heard the word woke was on a Black Lightning episode when the dad was talking to the daughter saying, I, you know, um, if people aren't woke. And I like that episode because the Anglo guy said something back to the principal who he had replaced. What have you and say, look, you think because of my skin I had it easy? Let me tell you how I grew up. 
That moment right there, I think, was an encapsulation of what's missing from a lot of these stories. They make it seem like black people and Latino people, whatever may, may be, even if you, look at the, if you look at the aspect of when they say black and Latino, they don't say black, they may say black and brown, whatever. But when it comes to black people, they just go like skin color. When it comes to Latinos, they want to say Latino, Latina, Hispanic. But now people are trying to destroy that by saying Latinx. And none of my children, like my goddaughters, my students, anyway, they don't even like the term, if they even heard the term. But the thing that's coming down to, again, is this whole walk right, we're, we're just, we just want to promote identity politics, right? So if you remember, there was an interview some time ago by the guy uh, who, and it's in my description box. What he, uh, this is the guy, the black character, and what he talked about how he liked the role playing. He liked playing. Uh, he figures that being a, a, heavy, a heavy set black guy in a movie, in especially a comic book movie, will return the power of black to, to back to black men. This is in the article. And I put the link in the description box as well. This is what he says. He says that a black, a heavyset black guy in a movie, gay on top of that, is going to give power back to black men. Do you know how many black men? You know how many how black men took that comment? Especially some of my gay friends who are black men. They were like, "What's this guy talking about?" The guy that this the guy in, in internal, like apparently he's a like eternal. He, he has a he's he's married to another man. They have a child, whatever. Which is ironic because the other, which is interesting because on top of that, the guy who plays her, his husband in the film, he comes out and he talks about, you know, this this is going to show that you know the queer community. You know, back in the day, queer meant gay, but now they're taking queer to mean something else. And this is on the Dave. I remember doing something on Dave Chappelle's episode because, show because it's very interesting. Some of the stuff revealed. But anyways, this guy's talking about you know it being so important because how many lives will they save? Kids committing suicide, all these kind of things because they're going to see a film with two men up there and a child. It's going to say, okay, let, let, let me come back a little bit on this here. Let me sit down here for a second, take a break with you, with you all. Check this out. On Instagram, there's a couple of videos I see that have like some of my native brothers and sisters and stuff like that. It's just just lately on my feed, I guess the algorithm. And oftentimes what they do is they post up comics that they say, quote unquote, white people say to them, that's quote unquote racist, what have you. It's like they, it's like they, 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 they present themselves as though they're victims, as though they're always under racial attacks. They, they never mentioned the fact how the Choctaws owned uh, enslaved black people and didn't want to give them up inside with the Confederacy. No, they never talk about that stuff. And I sit there and I said, okay, you, you, if you're, you know, you're, proud in your, you're proud in your culture. Your pride in your culture shouldn't be a form of resistance against the mythology that every Anglo person in the United States is against what, you, what, you, you know, what, what your culture is. Now, people are going to say what the Europeans did, but, you know, the thing is, when you look at the Civil War, I'm going a little off track here, but please stay with me. You know, if all, a whole lot of Anglos, you know, especially white, you know, especially white men died in, in, in that Civil War. And if they didn't fight in that Civil War, does slavery come to an end? Does it, is it over? No, it it's, might go on for years more. But the thing is, we're, we're, right now we're presenting some movies in the terms of victimhood. Avengers Endgame was like, we have to defeat Thanos. It didn't say we have to defeat the purple guy. We have, we have to, we're going to defeat the guy, you know, because he's going to destroy white supremacy. No, we have to defeat this guy who wants to destroy the universe. Boom, that's it. Now we don't have that anymore. Superman, oh, they made the announcement, Superman is gay, but it's not Superman. It's Superman's son. Of course, how he got, was born is beyond me, because I was like, whatever. But, it, but they don't say Superman's son is gay. They say Superman. Because the, super, the son is playing Superman now, because Superman is off in some prison getting violated, getting raped. Or something. It's just so pathetic. It's just so pathetic, right? It's like we're, we're using – like I have quite a few gay students, 
And not and we I had a conversation last week. Not one said they wanted to buy a comic because it was a gay character. They want to see something cool like Spider Man. They want to see something cool like Wolverine, Superman, Doctor Octopus, whatever it may be. Right? This is how they're promoting things. Even you look at Black Panther back in the day. I think it was like three years back. They hired a black lesbian writer to do one of the books. Okay, cool. Write a great story. You know what her story was? It didn't, it, didn't, it didn't elevate the women in the story. It's like, well, that's pretty impossible, but, you know, in terms of the, the structure of the story. They didn't, like, introduce a new character or anything like that. They didn't say, hey, they're going to fight against, you know, some villain that's trying to infiltrate the, the, the government of Wakanda, whatever it may be. No. She, if I recall correctly, she wrote a story that was about two lesbians in the Dora Minaj, the, the female bodyguard uniform. What's his name? For uh, Black Panther, uh, Chichala, whatever his name is, right? They flee Wakanda so they can be together. That's her storyline. How original is that? I mean, if these, if these folks, I think if Anderson Cooper came into the game right now, they would promote him like Clay Aikens is promoting himself in South Carolina. They'd have the rainbow flag draping, draping all over him. They're not going to look at Anderson Cooper as, as a good reporter or a good journalist and give him stories and stuff like that. And this is the issue we have now. Back in the day, you had Ripley, you had, Bu- you had, um, you had Buffy, you had Ripley, you had uh, Xena, you had all these great characters. And oftentimes you didn't really know, okay, yeah, the women, that's nice, but the, the stories were so cool. Right, you just focus on the characters, and Zena had a massive following. Buffy, massive following. Princess Leia back in the '77. Are you serious? Like, really? You can go back further than that. You can go to Foxy Brown. You can go to Claudia. You can go to all these great stories, what have you. But now it's about a woman's going to be. I even heard that Aliens, the movie, the reboot, or what, how are you going to reboot that movie, whatever, is going to be a, a talk on social justice, whatever. And again, the minute people start talking about social justice, you, have, you want to tune them out because, you know, some, you know, some people just aren't familiar with, some people just really think it's about their being oppressed. Now, I got an email here before when someone asked a question about woke. So I have a little clip here that I played on an earlier show, but it actually talks about this 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 woke thing that's going around and affecting the writing, what have you. Because what's happening is that people are acting as though people aren't hip to what's going on in today's in society, right? So let's see if I can get this little piece here. About the wokeness. It's like something about what is woke in Hollywood, what have you. So I can pull up this file for you so you have an idea. This is from Essence Magazine. They talk about what does it mean to be woke. So let's check this out. To me, being woke means that you recognize that the world is not a simple place, that everything is not all equal, that justice has not happened yet for everyone, and that there is a lot of work to be done. Your eyes are wide open and you're paying attention. And you're reaching out and speaking to people along the way and bringing them on uh, to increase the amount of wokeness in your community. Being woke is like eyes wide open, everything is clear. You can always see things that other people can just ignore or they just don't know. Woke for me is just being outraged all the time and being able to stay human and feel outraged about injustice that is happening around me. It's being uncomfortable all the time. and making sure that I'm speaking on behalf of those that can't speak up for themselves. Some people know what's happening around them, but they are not doing anything. They're just like, right. well, it is what it is. Yeah. That's not what woke means, that you actually take it upon yourself to be like, this is something I need to fix. Yeah. I need to be part of the solution. And I mean, the thing is to, to do that, knowing that you can fix it, whatever your level or platform is, because yeah. there's always an opportunity for you to do just a little something to support them. I also think about 
what words actually mean and how yeah. we give them power, right? Are you just going to wear it across your chest but actually not live it out? Or are you going to give this word a meaning with your actions, with your daily commitment? And I think in order for us to really progress, we're going to need people to really step out of their comfort zones and have those uncomfortable conversations and not just live in a space where they get to preach to people who already understand yeah. what it means. Couldn't agree more. I think to be woke means that you are aware of the issues and the world around you. I believe it means that you are engaged in the work of justice. This is a time where we just, we can't afford to be asleep. We have to be all the way alert. Without action on the knowledge that we have now, our world will never change. And we need that more than ever. Being woke means you miss all the movements of back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, what have you, and you're thinking that you're a victim. And by saying that you're woke, you're saying that other people are living in a matrix where they don't see what's going on, that you're the only person that knows what's happening. You're the only person that has to make a difference. And like, you know, the – who's that guy? Kenja, Kenda, X, something, Kendi, the guy, whatever – I can't remember his name, the anti-racist guy. And if you say you're not a racist, you are being racist because you have, un you have unconscious bias. And if you're not actively out there marching against racism, you're a, you're a racist. This is, what the, this is the conundrum they create. Essentially, you can't win because no matter what you do or what you say, they're going to say that's not enough, right? So these folks, they, they have no clue what they're talking about. You have to, you have to be, you're woke to what? You have gun violence. Here's, here's something for you. This isn't what, a one of ours. This is a reality situation, right? Say I had written Black Lightning. And he has the powers that he has, right? You know what I would do? Or if it was static, whatever. I'd have him, I'd have him essentially murder or, or, or arrest every criminal in the neighborhood. Not fighting against the quote-unquote racist police like Queen and Slim. Not fighting against white supremacy. Not fighting against the white savior complex. Not fighting against anything white. I would have Black Lightning essentially almost be a crime lord and murder all the criminals out there and call it a day. There you go. Because these woke folks are running around talking about the problem, but what they do is they don't want to take the responsibility. They want to create a fight that never has no end because you ask them, okay, what's the end? They, they, can't, they, they, they can't tell you what the end is because if there's an end, they have to actually have accountability to fight towards that end. And they have to have measuring sticks to get to that end, but they never get to that end. It's like these comic books. They have no end. Why? Because beyond making Superman's son gay, beyond making two lesbians see Wakanda, beyond taking the one character that was angled for like 20 years and making them black, beyond anything like that, the only thing these folks can create is controversy. And to stay relevant, they have to create more controversy. Who was that girl, Vida Ayala, something like that? She's supposed to be a black, uh, black Puerto Rican, trans, non-binary, something, 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 who said a couple of days ago that white men shouldn't apply for the internship at, over at Marvel. This is what she said. Now, imagine she said that about black people. Imagine she said about Latino people. Imagine she said about Asian people, what the outcry would be. But when she said about white people, because I'm sorry, but a lot of you angles out there, just you need to get a grow a backbone and stop pushing back because we didn't get to what Tessa Thompson said about you all. You know, the girl that played Valkyrie, and you know, I think she's in Creed as well. Um, this is what's what happening. They're not, this, this is why these movies aren't selling anymore. Look at uh, what's that movie called again? You know, black Widow. First off, it came up too late. Everybody knew she's dead. It wasn't like there was like you know like a a, a backstory of you know of when she was still alive. She, it's two years too late, right? It's 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 done. It's finished, right? So the movie Black Widow comes out. Well, it, you know, of course, the only big thing about that was that you know they got sued by uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson, what have you. But the ironic thing is, if you watch the movie Taskmaster, this is a spoiler, you know, too bad, go watch the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, you can log out now. Taskmaster, you see him in the suit through the whole movie. 
um, hunting down um, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow. Then, when Taskmaster finally removes his removes his um, removes his, his, his helmet, they reveal it to be a woman in that suit. Now, here's the thing: during the entire movie, it, it, it's, just, it, it's a man wearing that suit because there's a picture of the guy with his helmet off on the set. It's a guy wearing that suit. I think he's in like what five, six, six, two, something like that. It's a guy in that suit with the helmet on. When they take it off, they have a woman play that role. Well, the thing is, why couldn't you get a woman to play the role in the suit? I know Jesse Graff. I know Tamiko Brownlee. Uh, I know uh, Morant. I know quite a few people who could do those roles. Why don't you get a woman to play in the suit? But where was the outcry? Again, it's the Wokarati. All we do, we talk about these things. Or what, what, what did Tessa Thompson say? Oh, let me let you hear. Tessa Thompson was an actress, is an actress who was playing the Valkyrie, you know, the one that's going to make a straight-up lesbian king of Asgard, and she's going to be running everything, and Thor's really cool with that, whatever, right? So because, of course, everybody just gets along, goes along to get along. So let me let you hear what, what she said about Anglos. And then it's going to kick into something that uh, Michael B. Jordan said about, you know, masculinity and stuff like that. Hold on. Yeah, go ahead. This is what Tessa has to say. I want to see work that really looks like the world in which we live. So there are lots of people of color. Look around. <laughs> um, and it's also really exciting, not just what we put on screen, but also to work inside of productions that are inclusive. Like, I don't want to show up on set and just see a bunch of white people, no offense. And I don't want to work in the company of a bunch of men, no offense. You know, I want to, I want to show up on set and, and have it look like the world that I walk around in every day. That's what she had to say. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I wish a lot of these quote-unquote white guys who fund these movies would start saying, you know what, we're going to fund your movies. Let other people do it since you don't like it. This, this is how they sound. Like, imagine if I said that about about women, if I say it about, about other people's ethnicities, whatever. But she goes, a bunch of white people. The guy, Jordan, what's his name over from Get Out? Cameron's last name escapes me at the moment. The guy who's behind the series, the movie uh, Get Out, what have you. He said something about the same thing came to Anglos. Every day we did say something about Anglos in reference to hire them. They don't have to. They don't feel the need. Even though there's an article about Issa, Issa Rae from uh, Awkward Black Girl um, and Insecure talking about um, she doesn't need people to talk. She doesn't need casting people to talk to about casting white people. There's even another one that says, if you want, here's the 16 movies that don't focus on white men or uh, I think like white men or something. I'll I put the image in, my, uh, in the description box. But the thing is, people... It's, it's people. It's 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 just too much. It's just too much. I, I you know I want to see you know. Don't you just want to see a movie that's something cool, a villain that's something right? Don't you, do you want to see a movie or these movies don't sell? They don't. They make they spend a lot of money and they they sit there and say, oh yeah, they don't want to succeed because she's a woman. Yeah, that's why Marvel gave the woman of director of the Eternals two hundred million dollar budget to work on the movie. So it's fucked, right? Look at the budget of these films. Even Ms. Marvel, the one with the girl from uh, Kamala Khan, whatever, is in Atlanta. They're doing reshoots. Well, but I come full circle back to what we talked about in the beginning. Remember, Brie Larson talked about how hard it was. Talk about people. She, this, this, if, I, if I may go off on a, a, a side here, they all sound so smug. Like, they think nothing's going to happen to them because a lot of these angles walk around with no backbone because they have just they have enough 
Robin D'Angelo's in Hollywood to say, yes, you're right, yes, you're right, I am mad. Again, George Floyd, that little that situation, we're going to, that, that thing where he um, ended up dying in police custody, we're going to talk about that in one of these episodes because that actually benefited so many people that want to say, look how black people are oppressed. Because they bring it up all the time. I, I, you know, and you see these movies now. I want to see a cool character. Okay, if it's about family and stuff like that in Marvel Universe, how come James Rhodes isn't spotlight like Hawkeye? Tony, Tony Stark, Captain America, you know, Ant-Man, Spider-Man. What's, what's, what's James Rhodes' background in these, uh, these Marvel movies? You, you don't see anything. He plays like the sidekick. No, I'm just, go see the film. And you tell me. What about that? But again, we wanted to go see, we wanted to go see Thanos. We want to see when Captain America, you know, is holding um, Thor's hammer. That's the cool spot. People are sitting there saying, you know, some people may say, you know, hey, that guy's like me, blah, blah. I understand that. But inclusion is whack because in these comic books, you know, there's been plenty of black characters. I mean, there was, one, there was a woman, I can't remember her name, uh, who was in prison. with the, she, has a, she understands she's a, a genius in microbiology. While she's in prison, she got her Ph.D. Then she got another one. And then she, I believe she led a pack of werewolves. There are so many stories in these, in these comic books, in these films, that you can just promote on the fact that they're cool characters. But now it's about identity politics. You know what? If it's if they're so if 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 they really if where's the movie on Storm like what do you have to wait for? In fact, even Kamala Khan she can stretch like Mister Fantastic in the comic book, but now they change your power in the movie. Why? Because they're weak. The book didn't sell. Let's collect Brie Larson. Okay, Brie Larson is so hard. I just want to ask you, how come you didn't push to have the grown Monica Rambeau be in the film with you? Why were you cool taking on a character that wasn't as popular as the Captain Marvel in the comic books? Monica Rambeau, who has a cool story, and she's un, almost unbeatable. Even Captain Marvel can't. Even Captain Marvel, Bray Larson can't beat Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau. And then they have the Avengers got their name from from Bray. They're just so smug. I just want to read a comic book that's mad cool. I just want to see a. I, I see. I just want to see a comic book. I want to see a film where like this person like oh boom bang. I'm African. I never liked Black Panther. It was always whack to me. I just want to see cool characters. Okay, she's a woman. Okay, cool. That's nice. That's nice. But is the story cool? But we don't have it anymore. Now it's just about talking about what you look like. Like I said in my description, check it out. Back in the days of Superman, the Crow, Iron Man, the Avengers, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, etc. Movies were presented based on, you know, the storyline of the characters. But now it's about the non-Anglos, the melanin country, the sexual orientation, uh, hyper-feminism, how many trans. That's at the forefront of the promotion. When I sit in meetings, and people, I'm saying right now, I sit on quite a few pitch meetings. When I sit in meetings, the cringe is high because they're, t- they're selling not the story. Not the character. No, it's about what the character looks like, thinks like, and what group the character represents. Hollywood actors, especially the current generation of talent, too many really don't have the knowledge of the comic book genre. And when they research, the film revolve around color or gender. Let's talk about this by reading an article that just came across. And I put all the links in the article. I put a link to all the articles in the post. And this is the trouble, this is the, this is the problem we're having right now. I believe the black woman in the, the, is it a film or a series? Someone tell me in the chat. Um, who's playing the, the she is um, some character, whatever. She talked about how she didn't read comics because there was no people of color. I'm like, wait, 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 hold on, wait, 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 what? And then she proceeds to talk about how, you know, the article even asked, the, the interviewer even asked, uh, what's his name? The interviewer even asked the, the young lady, in reference to, oh, okay, well, you know, change. In fact, you know what? Let me read it to you. Let me read it to y'all because I, I think it's a little better instead of paraphrasing. Let me see if I can get this article open. Here we go. 
Uh, the article is entitled, what is it entitled? Peacemaker star Daniel Brooks on joining the DC Universe. I've never, her quote, I've never seen anyone look like, like myself in this world. You see what I mean? Then when I saw the character, I was like, oh my God, right? That, that's the headline of the article. I've never seen anyone like myself in this world. So we're going to skip down to, let's see, how did Peacemaker first come to you? Uh, so, so crazy enough, James Gunn, uh, the actor's name is Daniel Brooks. And the guy asked the question, how did Peacemaker first come to you? So I skip all the, like, the, you know, regular whatever, whatever. And she goes down to, so we ended up having a meeting. We just hit it off. I explained to him that I've never seen anyone like myself in this world. Right there and then, you see? Like, okay, you go be saying, well, that's right. No, like, no, no, no. Go read the comic books. She mentioned Amanda Waller. That's good. Go read the comic books, all right? It was really exciting for James to say, I like you the way you are. I don't want you to get all this training and try to lose 100 pounds or all this stuff. He didn't try to make me fit into this world. He said, you're already fit. I really appreciated that. Okay. So there's a question here. Um, so what did he tell you about the character? And she says this part, quote, and yeah, I put the link in the description. Uh, it's almost like taking a normal person, putting them into this new realm, and how will they respond to it? That's basically who Adibio uh, uh, is. That's her character. She's this used-to-be veg- vegetarian, uh, no, I'm sorry, used-to-be veterinarian, lesbian lady who was thrown into this job and is not really equi- ready, equipped to do. Okay, she missed the lesbian part, but okay, whatever, whatever, that's cool. We can deal with that. How much of comic person? How much of a comic person were you before this? Now, don't think the ride didn't do their research before this, but check it out. How much of a comics person were you before this? I didn't know much about comics. We didn't have comics in the house, not for any particular reason. We just didn't. This is what she said. I don't know much about comics. We didn't have comics in the house. Not for any particular reason. We just didn't. As a result, I think they're becoming more interesting because, quote, of directors and writers like James Gunn, who are diversifying the world so you can see yourself in someone on the screen now. Like, I loved watching Viola Davis playing Amanda Waller in Suicide Squad. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's someone with an afro. What? This is so cool. She's a badass. Excuse my language. That's exciting. Well, you said... Okay, well, check it out. Next question. Uh, do you think there's one? Do you, do you think that one of the reasons you weren't into comics as a kid was that you weren't really seeing yourself reflected in them? Check this out. The earlier question, answer she gave was, "I didn't know much about comics. We didn't have comics in the house, not for any particular reason. We just didn't." Well, here's her answer to this question. Yeah, I used to have a list. I started doing research before getting this part of like, okay, if I was to ever be asked which comic characters I would play, who do I actually look like? Why can't you play a character when you don't look like? I mean, that's the big thing right now. She goes, there are a few that look like me, actually. But when they're reflected on TV or film, they change them completely, like they do to a lot of the Anglo characters. Their look, don't do, their look does not reflect what you see in the comics. I've always tried to manifest doing an action project because I do feel like a big part of my driving force. And this industry has changed the narrative of what leading ladies look like. I'm cool with that. And what plus-size women are capable of doing. Mad cool, mad cool. So the thing is, well, here you go. And here's the last thing he reads. Here's the question. This is an actual question. James has more than proven himself as an enormously talented writer. But in your case, your character's case, he's also a straight white guy. You see, here we go again. He's also a straight white guy writing a black lesbian. Did you have any conversation with him about storylines or even turns a fr- or or even turns a phrase that you thought your character would be or would not be saying? You see what I'm saying? So check it out. No, James is really good at writing the humanity of a person. I've watched the episodes as of now, and I'm very much in awe of how he's able to just show the richness of each of these characters without making it about race or sexuality. This is what she's saying. But, okay. Then she continues on. I think the contrast between Adviyayo and Peacemaker was the biggest conversations that James and I were having. We're com- quote, 
quote, we're coming out of a Trump era and all the hate that spewed from him, unfortunately, running the country. Where does that play in our story? This is what she's asking. So that's her interview. And that's what she talks about. I put the links in the description. Go check it out for yourself. Maybe we'll do a part two to this. But for me, I'm just done with it. I'm just over it. You know, I, I do my own thing. I wrote a story that was set in China. I'm not Chinese. I'm not Asian, anything like that. I did a lot of research into it. I want a Chinese character to play this in the culture, whatever. My uh, young lady who came from, um, she comes from the Philippines. She came to audition. We talked talked about some films and she didn't like saying chi she was like you know i'm not interested in the film because it has an all asian cast i mean that says that shows how they think about me i guess they think i'm not intelligent enough to actually want to see because of the story this is what she said to me and she's asian and a lot of people felt the same way about it because they promoted shang chi how an all asian cast you have to check it out it's an all asian cast well you mean like crouching tiger hidden dragon you mean like uh crazy asians which even my uh other asian friend didn't like no we have to get back to good storytelling that will keep you captivated. T2, Aliens, Ripley, stuff that's going to make you come back and watch it, not come back and watch and say, there's someone that looks like me. Is that important to people? Yeah, I understand why it is. I'm not going to minimize that part. But to put at the forefront of why someone takes a character, to put at the forefront as why people spend money on these movies, to put at the forefront and say, hey, this is why you should come check my film, doesn't work for me. So people, on that note, SKD, Choda, I'm out of here. Stay safe out there. Much love.